0: Hola and welcome back to another episode of the Latina CEO Identity Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Fernandez. And today I'm going to be joined by one of my incredible clients for today's episode, Leticia Torres, personal finance coach for Latinas, Latinos, Latines. And today we're going to be having such an incredible conversation around our money story. And she is going to share her wisdom around not only her story and her background so that you can get a better idea of the hardships in life experience that she overcame and how now she supports clients through their money mindset and their personal finance. And so without further ado, let me introduce Leticia. Leticia Torres is a multifaceted Latina whose inspiring journey embodies resilience and determination. As an immigrant and DACA recipient, she defied the odds to become a first-generation college graduate. After earning a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Interior Design from San Jose State University in 2019, she entered the corporate tech world, where her curiosity and ambition thrived, making her the first woman in her family to excel in this environment. Leticia's interest in investing sparked when she was introduced to the option of opening a 401k retirement account, leading her to delve into the world of personal finance Armed with newfound knowledge, she confidently negotiated a six-figure salary, transforming her career and financial trajectory. After four years in tech and one year in the agricultural space, she realized her career did not bring her fulfillment anymore as she was experiencing burnout. Having experienced the transformative power of financial literacy firsthand, Leticia transitioned into entrepreneurship as a personal finance coach. With unwavering commitment, she now dedicates herself to teaching the Latino community the principles of personal finance and investing, aiming to bridge the wealth gap and cultivate financial independence. In shaping her destiny, Leticia is also uplifting others to build a lasting legacy of financial success. If you're not fired up to listen to this episode today, I don't know what we're doing here because it is going to be incredible. Get ready. Let's dive into today's episode. Hi, and welcome to the Latina CEO Identity Podcast, a show for Latinas who want to take the unconventional path. I'm so happy you're here. I'm your host, Liz Fernandez, a first generation daughter of immigrants and therapist turned multi six figure CEO and identity coach. I help Latinas create and claim their identity as booked out coaches and entrepreneurs. In this show, you will have a space to help you realize just how gifted and extraordinary you already are so that you start tapping into your gifts and start creating your Latina CEO identity. Lista? Let's get into today's episode. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Latina CEO Identity Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Fernandez, and today I am joined by one of my incredible clients, Leticia Torres. I am so excited that she is here today to pour into you all today. I am excited because she is a personal finance coach, so it's a little bit of a different interview that I am having here on the show this time around, and I'm just so excited for her to pour into us, her knowledge, her wisdom, and her expertise, and when y'all listen to her story and the huge, incredible transformation that she's created for herself and the work that she does with her clients... You're going to want to run and work with her. And so I'm just so excited to introduce you all to Leti. I call her Leti, but it's Leticia Torres. And so, Leti, tell us about about you, your upbringing, your story. I'm so excited to have you here today.
1: Thank you, Liz. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited and a little bit nervous. So, deal with me. (laughs) So, my name is Leticia Torres. I have a background in design and technology. So, I spent about Four years um, working in the tech world, and then about a year in the architectural space, and then just recently, you know, I started my entrepreneurship journey, and it has been so exciting. And yeah, just uh, a little bit more about my upbringing. I am an immigrant. I actually I grew up in Mexico, the state of Michoacan, and I was there until I was fourteen years old. Actually, when my family and I immigrated to the U.S. I was close to my 15th birthday. <laughs> so, you know, that was a, a tough transition. You know, like whole, uh, whole uh, cultural shock uh, coming here, uh, not knowing the language. And as an immigrant family, it was a very difficult transition, you know, trying to get adjusted to the school system, learning a new language, also like learning how to navigate, you know, the whole, just how to survive in a whole different country. It was uh, very challenging, but definitely it taught me a lot of uh, resilience and determination, of course. And yeah, so when we immigrated from Mexico to the US, we settled here in Watsonville. I'm still here. I'm still here living. I love uh, my little town. And I think part of that is because it reminds me so much, you know, of my little town in Mexico where I grew up. Like there's so many uh, similarities. Uh, Al gente, you know, la comida, it just feels like home. And I think that's part of uh, why I have just like, settle here. And I don't know when I'll be ready to move. <laughs> so I I went to school here. I went to high school here. Then, you know, when my time for, for college came, that was like another difficult, you know, transition and trying to learn how to navigate all of that. Because as an immigrant, and, you know, growing up in a low income family, no one in my family actually had a background of having achieved, you know, like, or having received a degree. My mom, for example, she only finished school until fourth grade. And my dad, I believe he only went to school until I think he barely finished first grade. So just enough, you know, to like teach them how to write and read and just like the very basic. So when it was my time to start applying for college and all of that, you know, experience of sending college applications and then trying to apply for financial aid, it was so tough and definitely, I think one of the experiences that has taught me a lot of, how could I say it? You know, when they say, no sé, pero lo voy a a averiguar. (laughs) I think that was my motto during high school when I was trying to to, you know, figure out all of that, how to apply for college. And of course, I had, um, you know, like some people guiding me that were in school and supporting me throughout that process. But still, when you're coming from a family where there's not a background of higher education, it's very difficult to navigate, navigate that space. I didn't have, you know, like the support of my parents if I had a question about even just like the fact that it's such a big decision to make you know like choosing a career and then choosing the school that you want to go to it's I still reflect back on that time of my life, and I'm just like i I kind of had an idea of what I wanted to do, what I thought I wanted to do, right <laughs> but i I did it just like based off like of my instinct, you know like sort of like the things that I enjoy doing and even just trying to like figure out what I actually wanted to do with my life in the sense of pursuing a career, it was very challenging. So I actually went to uh, one of my counselors and I said, you know, I think I want to do, I want to be a designer. I want to do interior design. And I remember her, uh, you know, telling me that she thought that was not really like a career, but it was more like a hobby and I remember being so disappointed, you know, because at that point also, I didn't have a lot of information about the career of interior design. I had just like started doing a little bit of research. So I didn't have a lot of information, you know, to kind of like defend my point that that was like, like an actual career that I could pursue. And I remember, you know, her telling me, I think you have potential to do something more, you know, like a more challenging career. And I was like, okay, you know, but she knows better. <laughs> She's my counselor. <laughs> so I remember just asking her, well, what could be, you know, a better career or something that would suit me better? And I remember her suggesting kind of like, uh, you know, you could go into engineering, it going into science, more like STEM careers, right? Which that's so cool. And I admire everyone who does that type of careers, but To me, that just didn't feel aligned with what I wanted to do. But still, I went on and researched on these careers. And I guess my main motivator to try to go into that type of careers was money because they were, you know, well compensated compared to, you know, these careers that, you know, have like a background in arts. So I remember just that in the back of my mind, just like, okay. So I guess this is the way to go. I I need to pick a career and I chose civil engineering (laughs) because I thought, you know, that in a way had to do with buildings and construction. And that was just like my way of making sense of things because I didn't have that information. I didn't have anyone to go and ask, how does this career relate even close to what I wanted to do, you know, with design. So I was just, like, guessing. And I remember, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, to my story, but I remember, like, when I finally decided to to go and pursue this career, I ended up going uh, through community college because, I guess I should mention, very important, that I'm a, I am a DACA recipient. So at the time when DACA had just been passed, I was... In that process of applying to college and applying for financial aid, I was able to do the process of applying to to financial aid through the DREAM Act. But at that point, everything was uncertain. No one knew if we were actually going to get the financial aid to, you know, go to school and get an education. So I remember just like being a very uncertain time and... Just not being sure about, you know, if I actually was going to be able to even go to college and pursue this higher education that I so much crave for. But I think it was the main factor behind it was because the story that everyone tells you, go to college, get an education, and soon when you get that degree, when you get that piece of paper on your hands, then you're going to start making a lot of money and your life is going to change and everything is going to be amazing. So yeah, that was like the main motivation behind it. But I actually, going back to the fact that I was applying uh, for financial aid, what ended up happening is that I actually got accepted into one of my top universities that I wanted to go. And this was the private university in Laverne, I got a scholarship for $15,000, but tuition at that time was $50,000. And I remember from all of these scholarships that I had applied and, you know, that I had been submitting essays and everything to just kind of like collect money, right? For my my education, I had a total of $25,000. That was only half of the tuition. So I was so heartbroken and I had a decline, you know, that offer and I, I didn't go to school and that was like still hurts me because that was like that was the school that I really wanted and the four years of high school I literally like almost like killed myself to get the good grades to do all the work that everyone was telling me that I should be doing to get into this school and then it didn't happen for me you know and then I remember just like going to my mom and crying and. Right on her shoulder and she was telling me, you know, like, sorry, I'm just getting emotional at this point. But I remember her telling me, you know, like, don't lose hope. This is not the end of it. I believe in you. You are a very resilient girl. And this is only, you know, this is only one piedrita en el camino, como ella me decía. Es más una piedra en el camino. So, The next thing that I do is I ended up going into community college. Well, that's when I went into the civil engineering career that I spent one year, you know, taking classes towards that major. And I was like, definitely, it's not for me. (laughs) And I just couldn't see myself, you know, like just going through the rest of the school years to go and. Get a degree that I didn't even felt the line with and the main reason why I was pursuing that was because I had this mindset that I was gonna get a lot of money you know once I I had my degree and I could get a job in in the field. So during that time also I actually got married, I got married very young. so I graduated from high school in 2012 and by 2013 I was getting married to my high school sweetheart (laughs) all of that happened we moved in together and he has been so supportive uh, with me throughout this process because as soon as I went to him and told him I do not feel like this career is right for him right for me he was so supportive and he said well you have to go and find out, you know, what makes you happy and it doesn't matter like, you know, like how much they pay you or it's all about what makes you happy and fulfilled. And, you know, at that point he was supporting both of us and I would work during the, the summertime. I would go to the fields to pick strawberries and make some money and, you know, keep saving for college. But yeah, I, I, Decided to just, like, switch careers. Long story short, I got my general ed done in community college, and then I transferred to a four-year university. So the journey of getting an education for me was long. It took me about six and a half years to get my bachelor's degree. But it was, now that I look back on it, it was all, like, a game of persistence and determination, you know? And, you know, a lot happened during those years, a lot of challenges, Uh, one of them being the fact that when you're a, a DACA recipient or when, you know, go to school as an undocumented immigrant, the financial aid that you get, it only covers part of, or at that time, it only covered part of my tuition. I know it's different now. You know, there's more help available, but at that time it would only cover part of the tuition and every semester I would still have to pay like a little over a thousand dollars. So, you know, at that point I still, you know, had to find, I had to find a way to just save up for that money and a little bit more because actually the, the career that I went into, we, we. We're constantly, you know, aside from the books and everything, we also needed a lot of materials to make these models. The, the training that we get in, in interior design is a little bit similar to the training, you know, uh, students get in architecture school. So there's a lot of materials that we need to buy to make models and just like build our projects. So I still needed, you know, like the resources to make that happen for me. So one way that I found was since I couldn't work when I was in school, um, you know, I figured that I could just go with my mom, work in the summertime, uh, work in the fields and make some money. And, you know, like probably a lot of people or actually a lot of people would question, you know, why would you end up going to do one of the hardest jobs out there, you know, working in the fields, which, you know, they're like Back then, it used to be like ten to twelve hour shifts working under. Like during summertime, it's super hot. It's it's incredibly incredibly uh, difficult to do. So reason being was even though I by that time I I had already a social security number where that I could use you know to work uh, legally. Well, I actually tried working for like a fast food company. And the money that I was making there, it was just not enough to you know for for the things that I had to save up for for college. So I actually I think I probably lasted about nine mo- months working that job, and then I was like, I'm I'm going I'm going to the fields because you know this is something that I've been doing since I was ten years old. Like in Mexico, um, the town where we are from that's one of the main resources of work there you know like just fresa, and there's a lot of agricultural from the town where we come from so it's very similar here to this town where we live now and so i remember you know like since i was like 10 years old we were already in the fields with our families our primos dias just like picking strawberries. We would go half day and, you know, we would do this just to not really to support our families there because, you know, in Mexico, we had our our own home. We didn't have to worry about paying a rent and we weren't rich, but we just had enough to live a happy life, to be honest, you know? And, And I remember the reason why my mom would take me was because if I ever wanted to go out with my cousins, Uh, my mom would tell me, okay, if you want to go, then you got to go and find a way for you to make that money. Because, you know, and back then I, I thought she was doing that because we didn't have money or like, she just didn't have the money to, to help me, you know, but now that I see it, it's like, no, she was teaching me a lesson. She was teaching me, you know, to like be independent and find a way to, to make things happen, you know? Yes. Yes. Leti, thank you so
0: much for sharing this with us. And I love how much context you provide us in your story, right? Of just, you, you take us through a journey, which I'm sure like I was even getting emotional. I was, I was listening to you speak because it really showcases, right, the realities of what can, you know, the experiences are for undocumented people, right? People who come to this country and not tienen the, you know, the the paperwork or like the, the privilege, right, of being able to take advantage of all of these resources. And there's so much that you shared with us in your story, right? The support systems, the challenges, you know, the things you had to overcome, the persistent, the determination. And I just want to highlight how resilient you have been overall, right? Like through you taking us through, like you coming to this country and the experiences and hardships that you, that you experienced. But also I see so much resilience, persistence, right? That you, that you highlighted for us. And I love what you started with when you said, no se, sé, no se sé como como lo voy a hacer, pero lo lo voy a averiguar, right? And for those of you listening that don't speak Spanish, it really means like, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to figure it out. And that, Leti, over like just the last couple of months, you know, we've shared in our work together, has always stood out to me in the way that you look at things, no matter what it is that you're doing, you're like, I want to do this. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to figure it out. And that right there, Is something that I offer for everyone listening, right? That you really ground yourself in that, right? Because there's that's such a growth mindset, right? When you ask yourself, "How am I going to do this?" I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out. Versus the like the other opposite, right? Where it's like, "I don't know how I'm going to figure this out," and you leave it at that, right? And you see how there's like an inspiring, you know, point of view from it, or there's like the "I'm hopeless and I can't figure this out" view as well, and so. Before we go into the rest of this episode, I want to personally invite you to apply for private coaching for the last spots that I have left for the rest of the year. Inside of private coaching, we help you create your six-figure identity. I cannot wait to support you inside. Go ahead and click the link in the show notes if you know that you would love to work with me one-on-one for personalized private support. Private coaching looks like three months of us working together three calls a month, and voice message support in between sessions. I cannot wait to coach you. Now, let's go into the rest of the episode. As I was hearing you share your story, Leti, which is incredible, right? I hear a lot of, you know, the common themes of what comes up for, you know, DACA recipients, but also like navigating financial aid and navigating institutions that were not set up for us to succeed, and also trying to figure out, you know, what direction do I want to go in with school and careers and your career has evolved over time and something that has really stood out to me right now it has been what you shared about you know I went to get a degree because it was tied to the money right and how much I needed that to survive and so it's a common narrative that comes up for a lot of latines right and a lot of our upbringing as first-gen folks and you know, unfortunately, like for me, I was a complete opposite. I was like, I'm going to go to sociology and I want to help people and I don't care how much they pay me. And then, you know, look at us now. We're in this place where we get to do everything we love and we get to serve our comunidad, right? And so with that, I know you spoke to the different challenges that came up for you. And overall, I want everyone listening to see how, how much this is connected to the So you as like you being a personal finance coach now, right? All of the different topics and themes that you shared, right? And so tell me a little bit about, you know, what was your experience navigating um, the corporate world? I know you, I know offline, we've talked about like the incredible negotiation that you were able to do. And I guess more specifically, as you navigated this uh, corporate world that you were in, right? How did you get like the courage to actually negotiate your salary once you were already in corporate?
1: Oh my goodness, that that took some time, actually. First of all, it was not my intention at all to go into the tech world. This opportunity actually presented itself when I was in my last year of uh, for my bachelor's degree. I was presented with an opportunity to do an internship at a tech company. And for me at that point, all I needed was an internship because that was like the last uh, requisite to just, you know, graduate and get my degree. And I was like, well, I haven't got a, uh, I haven't gotten a, a, an internship at a design company. I'm just going to go for this because that's going to meet the, the requirement, you know? So I went in there and... As soon as I you know, stepped foot in that company, it was just like a total shock for me. I had never, ever been in that sort of environment, that sort of space and the amount of technology in that room. It was just like a complete shock for me. But yeah, I actually, after after I graduated and once my internship finished, it was a actually a six month, if. I can remember correctly, it was a six month internship. Once that internship finished, I got offered, you know, to keep working there. They were hiring me, you know, as an employee. And I said, yes, because by that point I was already, you know, getting very interested. And just to give you some context, I went into a 3D printing, which is to me, it's so cool. I find it so cool because it's like, it's literally changing the world. Uh, we make things uh, without going too much off topic. I'm just going to leave it at that. It, it's incredible. I love it. I fell in love with 3D printing. So after that, I actually worked there for about almost two years, I believe. And then the pandemic happened. At that time, I, I was also pregnant with my baby. My, my She's my first and only baby. And so we got laid off, and so I went through the whole motherhood journey, the transition of being a, me- a new mom. You know, dealing with this like internal fight of do I want to be a stay at home mom? Do I go? Do I want to go back into you know the corporate wo- world and keep pursuing a career? And I actually stayed home with my baby for close to eight months, and then one day I just received back. I received an email that they actually wanted me back uh, to go back into the job. And I said, yes, I'm ready. (laughs) By that point, I was ready to go back, even though, you know, that meant spending less time with my baby. And that's a complete different journey. (laughs) But I actually ended up going back only part time. I was at that time, I was going only three times a week uh, into work and Here's the funny part, like when I started working, since I got that internship to when I started my official full year of working, I did not have an increase in salary and I don't want to blame, you know, my employer. And I think this is just like a cultural thing, really, because going back to that topic of, you know, like no knowing how to navigate that space, no knowing that you're supposed to negotiate salaries, right? And for me, the way I I saw it when I got when I was presented with that opportunity back then, I was just grateful. I was just grateful that I was able to get an internship. And then after they offered me, you know, the the position to stay at the company, I was just grateful for the opportunity as well. And once they called me back, after i had my baby i was just grateful to them calling me back to work even though i had became a mom because it's like we get so stuck in those narratives that once you become a mom suddenly everything is just it is it is more difficult actually but i feel like we limit ourselves so much just for the fact that we become moms yeah so at that point when i went back even after having my baby i didn't even think about negotiating i was making the same and by this time it's been almost two years so <laughs> i i have to i have to mention that i have a really good friend who actually she started questioning me you know like uh leticia you know when when was the last time that you asked for for an increase in your in your salary and i mean at that point i didn't even have a salary it was an hourly pay but she is asking me right like when was the last time that you asked? And I was like, I have never asked. And she, she kept telling me, you know, like, I think it's important, you know, that you should have that conversation because it's been, it's, you've been here longer than me. And I already had that conversation, you know? (laughs) And I was like, okay. And that was just like, so scary. Like I I was definitely like, I was so confused, honestly. Like, I didn't even know how to react to what she was telling me. I didn't even know that I was supposed to negotiate a salary. You know, I think coming from a long, low income immigrant family, farm working family, that idea of just being grateful for having a job and, I mean, making a living wage really stuck to me. And the way that I used to think about it was just like, you know, I'm just going to dedicate myself to work hard, be a good employee, try to, como dicen esto de calladitas, te ves, te ves más bonita para que no incomodes a los demás, ¿verdad? That was literally, that, that was like my mindset, you know, like don't bother anyone, just do your work, work hard, and eventually they'll notice that you're a great employee and they'll give you that promotion, they'll give you that raise, you know, and it wasn't like that. <laughs> I love
0: listening. you mentioned this, porque it's so true, right? Like that, is, que tener, you have to feel grateful that mentality, right? Eventually they'll notice, right? Your work will speak for itself, right? All these narratives that they tell us and you just spoke to so many of them. Right. And I love that your friend, you know, asked you this question and made you think differently, right? About, hey, when when was the last time you asked for this raise? And so I love that you described just the shock, the internal shock that we go through when we are like, wait, we can do that, <laughs> right? Like that's possible. I thought I'm just supposed to be grateful. And so I love that you shared, you know, how you build the courage to do that. And I know that you, you got the raise, right? You managed to like Freaking negotiate a six-figure salary raise, which was incredible. And so, thank you for for just highlighting these narratives, right, that come up in in the work that we do and in our lives and our experiences and how challenging they can be. And I hope that everyone that's listening, like, if you're in a similar place and you haven't gotten a raise in a long time, that you lean in and that you remember that, like, you have to start documenting all of the incredible work that you do so that you can come. And like, let your employer know, right, these are all the things I've done. And so it'll be difficult. It will feel uncomfortable because we're not used to doing that, right? I know that's a topic for a whole different conversation on like how to negotiate your salary and all of that goodness. Which I know we will have Leti back in the interview uh, here on the podcast. I mean, and so just for the sake of time, I want to make sure we get through you know the questions that we have for Leti today, and really just continue to hear a little bit more about the work that you, that you do, Leti. So, and now we know that what you're what you were doing, right? We know that you were working in corporate, and so then. We found each other. We reconnected again. So for those of you that don't know, Leti and I are from the same town. Very similar stories when it comes to just our upbringing and our parents, like being farm workers and all of that. And so Leti, we're going to talk a little bit more now about your journey as a personal finance coach. What made you want to pivot into a personal finance coach and how did private coaching help you get here? So we'll, we'll do a little bit of rapid fire, but tell us.
1: By the time I actually reached out to you, it had been about two years since I had started, you know, following you and I would watch all of your stories, you know, because every single word that you were saying resonated with with me, with what I felt in my gut that, you know, was calling me. I actually, when when I met with you, I remember that I came to you. I don't even had plans to start a business, right? It was just because at that point I had already left, you know, my job or sorry, no, I hadn't left my job yet, but I had in mind to leave my job because I was just experiencing a lot of burnout and just like feeling completely like it was not fulfilling to me anymore. Right. And I remember coming to you because I wanted that help with uh, my mindset, just really working on my mindset. By this point, I'm I'm trying to go and do like a community project that actually, you know, like the idea was to create a project that would give the resources to the kids here in my community to teach them about 3D printing and how 3D printing could be uh, helpful, you know, in the careers that um, they would want to take in the future. So, I really wanted like that mindset of you can do it. You're capable, you know, like I believe in you. That's really what I needed because even though I, I had this expertise, somehow it just felt like it was such a big project. I I, I thought like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this without support. And not because I don't have the expertise, not because I don't have the capability, But because my mindset, like I have a lot of like limiting beliefs, you know, that are getting literally in the way of me going towards my dreams and the things that really make me happy. And I remember we started the conversation and during that conversation, you know, I mentioned to you that I had negotiated my salary and how actually just to put a number there, I that was the first time that I had negotiated and I negotiated for a 55,000 salary increase, which led me to a six-figure salary. And that was just huge. It w- it took so much courage to, you know, be brave and, and go and ask and go through the negotiation and then saying that number out loud because I had a document literally with all the reasons why I deserved that, uh, you know, that raise. And even just like seeing that number on on the document, it was just like, you're crazy. Like how, like, I can't even believe that you're gonna be asking for that much money, you know? Because it's like, I'm the first woman in my family to ever make that number from a job. And it was definitely like uh, an exciting journey, but very, very scary, also very empowering. So by the time that you know we go into that conversation and you start asking me these questions, and it's like it was so, I can I I can't even explain it, Liz. It was like, how come I didn't realize I had this knowledge? How come I? I mean, as I'm doing my all like managing my finances and doing like I was just doing this on my free time, learning about investing, you know. Uh, learning about high yield savings accounts. And I really had not noticed that this was something that I could do to help people and teach them how to do the same things that I had been doing over these four years to not only improve my finances, but also improve my salary and literally like set my, my base salary at a higher level. It was shocking for me, but yeah. Definitely the way that private coaching helped me was just having that support from you. And in a way, see it like you're a cheerleader for everyone that is your your client because it's like you are able to see a vision of us that sometimes we can't even see. And it's not because we don't have the skills or the knowledge or the expertise. I think a lot of it has to do with the mindset that, uh, you know, especially if you're coming from uh, a low income family and you are facing all of these challenges, challenges like either being a DACA recipient or being a first gen college graduate. There's so many factors that they really impact, you know, your, your mindset. Going through those experiences will have a long term impact on your mindset. And Many times I have you doubting yourself and your capabilities, regardless of how much work you put into every single thing that you do. Like there's going to be times where it's not going to feel enough. It's going to feel like you have to keep going out there and just like hoarding a bunch of degrees just to make you feel like you are enough, like you deserve, you know, a high paid salary. And I think all of that changed once I started private coach- coaching with you, because it's like you really like flip the switch, you know, <laughs> you acknowledging and just like helping me get comfortable with this idea that I am already an expert and I already have so many skills that I can share with the world. I think that was like one of the main things that that really changed my mind, my mindset. And I am so grateful because I don't think if I hadn't come into private coaching with you, I'll probably still be doing, you know, my nine to five job and just being sad working. (laughs) I Thank you so much
0: for sharing this because, you know, I do think it's important for everyone to hear that no matter what degree you know, but no matter your degree, your background, you know, what your your story has been like, you know, your whole entire life, your past does not dictate your future. And really what I'm hearing with everything you're sharing, right, it's like, what opened up your perspective of like, you being already a finance like coach is the fact that you gave yourself permission to ask for guidance to ask for help, and you implemented that you were like, Again, right, it goes back to that question of no sé cómo lo voy a hacer, no sé ni qué quiero hacer, pero sé que lo voy a averiguar, right? And so through our work together, and I just want to highlight, right, because you hit the ground running. For everyone listening is probably thinking, you know, we, we work together for six months or a year. But no, y'all, like, Leti and I work for together for three months in private coaching. And this girl was already booking, like, how many clients do you have now? I think you have three or four, or is it two or three or something like
1: that? I have two clients as of now. Yes. And both of them were booked um, within uh, month two of private coaching. Yes.
0: And like, y'all, for those of you listening, like she created these two four figure clients that she absolutely adores helping as a personal finance coach. And not just that, but like she did that in month two and it completely shifted her perspective of what was possible. But the most beautiful, beautiful part here is that like, What she did was it didn't take what you normally think, right? Because sometimes we think it's going to take forever, (laughs) but it didn't because guess what? Leti constantly asked herself, how am I going to make this work? How am I going to figure this out? What could I do to make this work, right? Those questions moved her in that right direction. And I always tell her and I tell you, Leti, right? Like you did this, you created this with, you know, like your ganas, right? Your your determination, your willingness to ask for help and implementing the work because- Letty was out here on week, on month 1 hosting her first finance finance in person event and like that like opened up the doors for her community to see her as a thought and like thought leader and expert in the subject and so it's just I love highlighting that Letty because it speaks to the work that you do and how deeply you care. I know that this whole entire time right you weren't focused on how many clients you were going to book. You were focused on how can I serve my people? How can I truly help them? This is stuff that they need to absolutely know. And so Leti is such an expert, y'all. Like, you really need to hire her. All Latinos need to hire her for like just personal finance coaching, right? Or if you want to call it like money coaching, right? And mindset coaching and strategy. She helps you with all of it. And so I wish we had more time on this interview because there's so much more that we want to dive into. So we'll definitely have to invite her to it for a second round. But, you know, I, I just really wanted to highlight highlight that on, you know, her journey and the work that she does with that let in rapid fire can you tell us about you know who you help how people can find you and any last like rapid fire tips that you have for people that want to start their money money coaching journey
1: Yes yeah, so my focus is the Latino the Latino community I have a special passion for helping women and those uh Latinos who are Spanish speaking only Right. And that's, you know, coming from all of the story that I just shared with you, that's my my main motivation. And it's like, yes, there's a lot of resources nowadays with the Internet, you know, which are available to most people who speak English. But there's very few uh, resources available to only Spanish speaking um, Latinos. So I'm definitely trying to change that. And if you would like to jump on a consultation call with me, you can find me uh, through Instagram. My uh, handle is at Leticia, double A, uh, double underscore uh, Torres. And there you can find the link on my bio and you can schedule a a consultation call. And definitely, if there's one advice that I can give you today is to... I I cannot tell you to not be afraid or, you know, like not have fear. We're always going to, that's something that I learned from you, Liz. We're always going to be experiencing fear. We're always going to feel afraid, but definitely just go out there, do it, scare. (laughs) And same comes with personal finance. You know, if you, if you feel like you've been struggling with it, just, Managing your 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 finances, saving money, or paying off that—I know it's a lot, and it's like we don't get an education. We always get told you need to find a job and make the money, but we never get taught on how to manage that money, right? So there's a lot that you know. It's not it's not taught to us, but definitely just not do not let fear get you pa- par- paralyzed and not start. Like you can start by looking in the internet you know simple things like how to create a budget even if you know if you don't have uh if you don't want if you're not ready to work with the coach right now you can just go online and start looking for these resources how do how do I create a budget how you, you know how do I start saving more money things like that and definitely I want to say that if you have been on the fence about working with Liz just do it <laughs> It's just gonna change your life and I mean you're you're wasting time not working with her already. <laughs>
0: my god I, you're amazing leti gracias for that and you know thank you for just the work that you do it's so necessary in our community and like i always tell leti you're going to be like the finance coach for latinos like spanish speaking latinos and like even english speaking too right but the work that you do and your movement is so freaking special leti and i just want to honor that like even for those of you listening right we all know we have our money money our money mindset drama all of us, myself included. And so it's generationally passed on and it makes sense, right? But I will say that if you are anything like me, hiring support will actually get me to do the thing. Because si me quedo pensando, I'm always going to be asking myself, where can I start, right? And so for those of you listening, it is so important now more than ever that we Get on top of our money, my our, our money story. Right, that we start to unwiring these beliefs that are keeping us in the same place. And Leti is an incredible person for you to like. Really, you saw her story, right? You 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 didn't see, you heard, you heard her story today, and how deeply, how how much, and how deeply she cares about the work that she does, and it's really driven off her story and what she's experienced in her professional and personal career, and she's been doing this work for a long time for herself and her family members. And so now she's just taking it a step further to serve our community and Again, you, you're going to find all of the details in the show notes for you to contact her and like start diving deeper into this work. And yeah, you, you're you probably going to be afraid, right? How many of y'all get afraid when you look at the big statement in your bank account or like the balance on your bank account feels uncomfortable, but we have to get comfortable with that discomfort and how else other than leaning into it rather than avoiding it. And so thank you, Leti, so much for being here today. Uh, we're definitely going to invite you back for a second one because We need to hear all your wisdom on the money tools and, you know, how we dive in and how we invest, because these are conversations we're not having that we're thinking about or that we we get busy in the day to day with. Right. But we don't actually lean into and and get the support because, yes, we can do it on Google, but that's not fun. I'd rather have you tell me do all of these things and then I'm going to go and do them. And so thank you again for being here. I'm so excited that you were able to come and be here on the show with us. Thank you about sharing your journey of entrepreneurship and for giving other people hope of like, even if your degree isn't something totally different, right? Like yours is, right? Like interior design, and then you're a finance coach now. And so the fact that you get to do this full time now is freaking amazing and beautiful. And so I'm celebrating you as always. Um, and thank you again for being here, Letty.
1: Thank you so much, Liz, for for having and for having me. And definitely I'm more than happy to be back. There's a lot to cover and just one hour isn't enough. So um yeah, there's a lot to cover, you know, in the money, money beliefs aspect, how you know we inherit all of this uh beliefs from our family from the way we grow up and that you know ultimately ends up affecting how much we make and in you know our lifetime how much we save how much even the way we spend you know so yeah i'm excited i'm excited to be back and thank you so much um i really had a great time today
0: thank you so much leti
1: If you took value
0: from this episode, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show. This will help other Latina CEOs find us. And if you're excited about this podcast, I invite you to take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram at lifewithliz. That is L-I-F-E-W-I-T-H-H-L-I-Z. Mil gracias por estar aquí, and I'll see you in the next episode.